Frontier Missions Journal. Stories of hope for the unreached with Adventist Frontier Missions. I grabbed Tipper's bowl and headed back toward the porch, fully intending to jump up the left side of the steps. Our trash bucket was there though, so I headed up the right side instead. As I reached the top step, I felt that strange mist fall on my left forearm again. Immediately, something in my mind told me to stop. I froze in my tracks. My heart and mind started to race. What if there is a spitting cobra close by? What is the last thing they do before they strike? This is the story Venom from April 2008. My name is Daniel Greenfield and I work with Adventist Frontier Missions. My wife Kara and I have been working in Guinea, West Africa. We started off there and then we moved to Cambodia and we've actually worked on three different projects. <laughs> it's been quite an amazing journey, but uh, God has been blessing and guiding every step of the way. Uh, my wife had started as a student missionary with Adventist Frontier Missions and so that's how she kind of got involved with with AFM and as for myself we got married when we were still in college and signed up to go with AFM once we were finished with college we uh, went pretty much directly to the mission field and so that was that was kind of how we got how we got started currently we are working on the Penang project and the Penang are located in the hills of Cambodia. They're a hill tribes people group and they're animistic in their, in their beliefs. And so we are located about 17 miles from the Vietnam border on the eastern side of Cambodia in Mundelkiri province. And so we are, we've been there for about the past seven years. And yeah, it's been amazing seeing how God has been, been leading with um, the interaction with, with people, with, with building relationships, as well as uh, starting a house church and starting an elementary school. Okay, so I've been sharing a little bit about our experience in Cambodia. I wanted to step back a minute to our time in Guinea and share a story with you from uh, one of our, our first days on the ground there. And the title of this story is Venom. It was a warm evening in Guinea. The sun had dipped below the horizon not long before. As the night shadows fell, a full moon illuminated the sky. I had just finished preparing food for our puppy, Tipper, in the kitchen. I took it to the back door, slipped through, and closed the door quickly, not wanting to let a whole swarm of mosquitoes into the house. I went to the front of the house, put my sandals on, and walked around to the back of the house. Our backyard light over the porch was not working, but that was okay. There was enough light from the moon, so I could see Tipper and feed him without any problem. I untied Tipper and walked to the back steps of the house. Just before I reached the steps, I realized I'd forgotten to pick up Tipper's bowl, so I made an abrupt U-turn. As I turned, I felt a light mist fall on my left forearm. That's odd, I thought to myself. 
There shouldn't be any dew falling off the roof this time of day. I grabbed Tipper's bowl and headed back toward the porch, fully intending to jump up the left side of the steps. Our trash bucket was there though, so I headed up the right side instead. As I reached the top step, I felt that strange mist fall on my left forearm again. Immediately, something in my mind told me to stop. I froze in my tracks. My heart and mind started to race. What if there is a spitting cobra close by? What is the last thing they do before they strike? I glanced down and my blood turned to ice. The black coils of a spitting cobra slid from our kitchen door off the porch and onto the rocks beside our house. The snake had been so close to getting into our house. The thought scared me more than the fact that I had been less than two feet from one of the most dangerous snakes in West Africa. With my adrenaline pumping, I jumped backwards off the steps and ran in the opposite direction I had seen the cobra going. As I neared the other side of the house, I called to Tipper. I didn't want him to get spat on or bitten by the cobra. I sent up a quick prayer. Lord, please help. What should I do? Tipper came running as soon as he heard me call, and I hurried to the front of the house and locked him on the porch. I grabbed a light and sent up another prayer that the Lord would help me to kill the cobra before it could hide somewhere in the courtyard. I headed around the side of the house in the direction the cobra had gone. As I came around the corner, I could see it in front of me near the back of the house. It was coming towards me, but when it saw me, it turned around to try to get away. I was able to hit the snake and kill it on the first try. After the snake was dead, I stretched it out and had a better look at it. It was about 42 inches long. Toads and lizards gather near our lights to eat insects that are attracted there. Since cobras eat lizards and toads, they are attracted there too. This cobra had probably been hunting when I came upon it. Twice, I had unknowingly been close enough for it to spit a mist of venom on me. As I look back on this incident, the big thing that sticks out to me is the fact that the Lord had his guardian angels with me in a special way that night. He worked a miracle and preserved my life. Satan doesn't want us here. I know that. It's a battleground every day. I know that we don't see everything that goes on, but the Lord does, and he has his angels here protecting us. He leadeth me over blessed thought, oh, words with heavenly comfort fraught. Whate'er I do, where'er I be, still tis God's hand that leadeth me. He leadeth me, He leadeth me by His own hand. He leadeth me, His faithful follower. I would be for by his hand he leadeth me and sometimes it seems of deepest gloom sad 
Wow, praise God that he sent his angels to watch over you. God does answer prayers. Daniel, although this spitting cobra story takes place in Guinea, West Africa, you told us earlier that you and your family are working among the Penang people in Cambodia. You've started a home church, and you're building a mission school. Can you tell us the status of the Penang project? We have, we have been working in Cambodia for about seven years, and the house church that, that uh, we, we've, we were asked to start is actually relatively new. It's only been, a, we've been working with that for about a year. And on average, we have representatives from about five different families that are attending. Uh, there's a lot of uh, women, sometimes the men are able to attend as well. But on average, we'll have anywhere from two to 10 or 12 people uh, attending on a, on a semi-regular basis. And so there's a lot of things that they, a lot of pulls on them, uh, keeping up with their fields and things like that. So it kind of alternates who's, who's there on any given weekend, on any given Sabbath, that is. But um, yeah, that was, that was really exciting when Macy Ort asked us to uh, come to her house and share about God and uh, to study the Bible with, with people out there. The, the school, the Penang school, uh, got started about, the plans were getting laid about three years ago, and we were in the process of doing our cultural scrapbook, and one of the things that uh, we look for is felt needs of the people, and ways that we can, can help and be a blessing to folks. And the one thing that, one of the big things that we noticed was education. Now, Cambodia was colonized by the French, and so that means that they go to, all the students go to school on Saturdays, the Sabbath. And even within the Adventist church, it's very difficult for our, our students to be able to attend church on Sabbath, uh, because a lot of them, there's a lot of pressure to go to school and to, to take care of the, the activities there. And so we, started to make this a matter of prayer, wondering if God really wanted us to, to start a school or not. And as we were praying about this, within a relatively short period of time, uh, $105,000 had come in to help um, purchase land and to help get the school started. And so it, it was apparent to us that this is the direction that God was wanting us to go. And as a result, after we had actually got the school started, we went from having a few contacts with people in, in town. Now we're in the provincial center, which gives us access to a fair amount of people. And we went from having a few contacts to actually having um, 40, 40 different families that we now had contact with. And so um, we all share common ground with, with their kids going to our school and so it gives us access and the ability to, to talk and, and interact and to, to, to work on growing those relationships with the, with the parents and family members of our students. You'll want to stay tuned uh, because at this point, God is providing the funding for uh, the school building for our school. Uh, we've currently been renting a building for these first couple of years, and it's really exciting getting to see the, the school being built, 
Uh, they're in the beginning phases of this, and we'll be giving you an update later in the future with uh, how things are going with that and how things are progressing as we move further uh, with the Penang School Project. This is James Arkazinski with Adventist Frontier Missions. Thank you for joining us for another story from Frontier Missions Journal. To follow the Greenfields and their work among the Penang of Cambodia, open your browser to afmonline.org, select missionaries from the top menu, and then find their name on the list. That evening was a reminder to me of the battle that is being fought every day for our lives. Please continue to pray for the projects in West Africa. Please pray for our continued safety and courage. Thank you.